check, he's a TV addict. Don't mean to this, don't mean to bring static. Hold your Klingons in your grandma's house. Grab your back, street friend, they get loud. Blowing doors off inches. Grab me with the pinches. And no, I didn't retire. Welcome back into the Grave Scott Show. It's a gimme all you got Friday. Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Joins me now, and um, first off, Gus, good morning, man. Welcome to the weekend, and, you know, here we are in March. Next week at this time, you know, they'll have already played a a day of games, but that NCAA tournament, man, uh, March Madness, this is th- this conversation gets brought up a lot as far as, like, the best month on the sports calendar. Now, anyone, I, I don't, March isn't the first thing that comes out of my mouth, but anyone that does say March, they're just saying it because of March Madness, but there, there's something to it because it's like it's that big of a deal, man. The bracket's that big. It's like it's iconic. It's You see a bracket, it doesn't matter what it is, you automatically think college basketball. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, it's crazy. I was, um, you know, in Fort Worth on Monday night when I had gotten there and the Tulane women's basketball team was playing Tuesday and they had already started, had a first-round buys. We're watching – you know, the highlights of the day on the flight there. I'm watching two buzzer beaters by two schools go back and forth in the overtime and then a half-court shot to win it. You know, it's just it's just crazy. It's always this time of the year where you just see stuff like that. I was talking to one of the coaches. I was like, well, why is it that this time of the year is something like this? Why, why do you always see buzzer beaters or, you know, things like that? I just saw the Cajun highlights this week. Just It's crazy but when you think of um, – how it goes, what's improbable, and really where you, you, you make your name and, and things of that nature, man. It's um, it's fun. I, I, I enjoy it, and it, it's actually why I always bring up this time of the year when it comes to the college football playoffs. You know, I mean, a couple weeks ago when they decided to, sh- you know, to shelve it and table it and not do it, and, you know, I get calls or people would say, oh, this is where it needs to be. I'm like, okay, but do you watch Martin Man? Oh, I love it. I, why do you like it? Because anyone can win. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want that in football? I mean, I, I just, I like, that. that's what makes the beauty of it. At the end of the day, when we fill out our brackets and get everything done, it's got to likely be, um, you know, Blue Blood. It'll likely be a name that we know. It, it'll likely be one of those situations, but um, there's always that chance and i think that's what i like about it there's a chance it can happen there's a chance for an upset or you know a team gets pushed to have to try to win it you know late in the game and then those guys show their greatness and i i I enjoy it man and um i can't wait i'm I'm ready how many brackets do you fill by the way I, i usually just fill out one i mean look when i was younger i'd fill out like five but i can't do that anymore i'm you know, that's <laughs> just give me give me one bracket. Uh, they're all doomed to fail. Let's be honest, every single one of them. So let me just fill out one and and try to have it be a little better than the competition in the office. And if not, you just say, "Oh, it's all just luck." And if it is, they'll tell you the same thing. But you know, the, part of the beauty of it is you're saying, you know, it probably won't be you know an underdog, probably not that wins at all. But like there will be some upsets. And the beauty of the bracket of the tournament is. It's like for a lot of schools, the win is just getting there. For other schools, if you lose in the Sweet 16, not not all schools, but for a lot of schools, right? If you lose in the Sweet 16, in the moment, it's not cool. It sucks. But you look at it overall and you say, 
man, that was what what a successful holy cow run to the Sweet Sixteen. So it's it's not just a well, if you cut down the nets and you're the national champion, everyone else failed. And that's not the case. For some, for some schools with gigantic expectations, right? But for a lot of them, the beauty of the tournament is just there are a lot of winners in it, even though, you know, uh, 67 teams will lose a game at some point in March Madness. Only one team's not going to lose a game when the bracket starts being played. Yeah, no, totally. And you're right. I mean, it's all about expectation levels and stuff. And look, in the game's changed, you know? I mean, um, I, you know, it's funny. My, my kid on Thursday had that, you know, 100 days thing where you, you act like you're old and all this other stuff. And I feel like the fuddy-duddy. When, and I'm the old-timer now. And I'm like, I remember when Duke had Leitner and, oh, you know, Kentucky had Mashburn and, you know, Georgetown, you know, and, you know, morning. I remember all of that. But – I, you know, what was great about that time is you, you knew those teams as teams. And, and look, it, it is. It's a different game. It, you don't know um, what are these teams are going to go from year to year. You know, um, these guys don't stay uh, long. And, and these teams change so much. You had to transfer with one and done. You know, it really honestly is a different season every year. And I, and I know what I know. What I'm saying, of course, it's a different season every year, but what I'm saying is you would have um, teams that you could predict, hey, over well, the next couple of years, these teams are going to be good, kind of like you do in college football, right? Like I know Bryce Young is going to be there for a season or two more and, and where they're going to be in football because it's three years and stuff. So it, it is kind of good and bad. It's good in that you honestly don't know a lot of times, from time to time, Gonzaga's back at it again, though. Um, Baylor's back at it again. So you can kind of sort of see these programs are, you know, kind of taking over, perhaps. Maybe Duke and UNC aren't as strong as they used to be back in the day. So um, it, it's still, like I said, it's always an interesting time of the year, and uh, there's no doubt you'll watch, right? No question. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Kangel, our guest. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those listening on the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Well, you talk about the bracket. It was 64 forever. Then it was 65. Then it was 68 with, they said, play. And no, we're going to call it first four. Okay, if you want to call it play, whatever. Speaking of play-in, in the NBA now you have a, quote, play-in, right? Say you seed 7 through 10 at each conference. they got to play their way into the postseason. And when it comes to the Pelicans, they're in that 10 spot, but it looked like they were going to maybe move up and all was well. They're blowing out teams. Then they drop a game last Sunday to Denver. If they hit their free throws, they win, but they lose in overtime. But they're still looking really strong. Then Brandon Ingram hamstring out they get rolled by memphis one of the best teams in the league ingram's still out wednesday night they're sleepwalking against orlando they wake up but it's too late they lose that one a bad loss right when the schedule lightens up gus brandon ingram's hurt they're going to reevaluate him you know uh, in, in a week and the reality is this team is what two and 15 this year when he doesn't play I mean, I know that Zion draws a lot of the headlines to the national attention, and it's, it is good that he is back in New Orleans and that he didn't need another surgery to this point. All that's fine, but as far as the current state of the team and the way they were playing, Brandon Ingram, we've said it, face of the franchise. That's who they're looking up to. 
He's the guy. Without him, they were a really bad basketball team. No disrespect to guys like Herb Jones, who's an incredible defender, or C.J. McCollum, who's a great scorer. But to, you know, to, to say that they're even an average team without Brandon Inger would be a lie. They're not. I mean, when you're missing your best player, it happens. We, we, should, we should have known, right, as people that have followed this franchise since they were the New Orleans Hornets and moved to New Orleans in 02. We should have known when things were going really well for about a week, we should have known, okay, something, something, something bad's about to happen. And I get it's not season-ending. And, I'm, and, and, and I, I still think the Bells have a great shot to sort of be in the, in the play-in, albeit maybe as a 10. But, gosh, man, it's, it's just a reminder for the Pelicans. Anytime you think it's going well, just tread lightly. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think what's crazy is it, it just is like, can, can you not have nice things? You know, like that phrase just kept popping in my Yeah, head. I mean, the culture is still good. Willie Green, like everything, the future is still uh, bright. I'm not I'm not trying to say that like, oh, well, you know, in, in, in looking ahead to next season and beyond, they're doomed. I'm just looking at the current, right? At, at least in the current, it's like, really? Now Ingram's just going to be out and they're going to reevaluate him in like, you know, seven to ten days. Like, really? Like, of course, really. That's just what happens with right. this team, right? It, it's, oh, not, it's not the last guy on the bench. It's the best player on the team. I, the, the only thing that – I guess there's two things, right, um, when you were saying that, that really stood out to me. And it's kind of what my topic was on Thursday because, obviously, look, you bummed out Wednesday when you see that take place, and two things happen. A, thank goodness for the play-in game, right? I mean, honestly, and this, this is why the NBA wanted to do it. I think it was smart. And, again, it's – you know, we talked about it last week, Scott, with in relations to baseball and – how they're not getting it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's tough for the viewers in Chem Media. You know, you're trying to track, which is why they're trying to get it to 12 to 14 teams because, you know, again, my Cubbies, right, they're more than likely going to be out of it by May. But if there's a chance in August, a chance in September, where if they win the next two out of the three series, they can be in the play-in, you know, postseason game, then – I'm I'm still watching, I guess is what I'm getting at. And it, it in reality, we're we're rooting and watching a team just to try to be the tenth best team, right? I mean and, and try to stay alive. But but what because of that though, what happened Thursday? Like you woke up Thursday morning, you're bummed that you lost, and you shouldn't have lost to to, to Orlando. But what happens in Houston? The Lakers lose to the worst team in basketball in overtime when LeBron has a triple-double and Westbrook scores 30, and they lose. What happens? Um, the Trailblazers get smoked in Utah. I mean, it's like you, 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 you end that game, and you're bummed, and you're like, this is going to cost me. And then the night ends, and you go, nothing changed. Now the Spurs are, I mean, look, you know, that's going to be the team that's going to probably keep you from the spot, right? And you get to face them twice. So I've been saying on my show, Scott, there's a gauntlet. And it's March 26th through April 7th. In that span, you're facing the Spurs twice, the Lakers twice, the Blazers are in there, um, Clippers are in there. So all of the teams that are literally above and below you by one or two, you will face in that stretch. 
that's when you're going to find out if you're in the tournament or not. It, it literally is that simple. I mean, Memphis and Golden State in the last two games, whatever. But before those last two and starting the 26 against San Antonio, you, you now, at, at, to me at this point, you have to beat the Spurs the next two games. Like, you, you can't not, not beat them the next two games. So those two, you got to win. I think you got to split with the Lakers at least. And you may have the shot to finish off the Blazers. But it's crazy. Wednesday takes place. You're bummed. The night ends. And, and, and I guess what you take out of it is it's crazy that you had teams that were at the bottom of the NBA beat teams that were at the top of the league or in the playoff standings. It's crazy. Just hang on, but once you get Ingram back, things you feel like can get back to what you were starting to see. Um, I, I, I stand by Zion's not going to play this year. He was back in New Orleans this past week. Pictures of him at church, walking his dogs, kind of Zion all over the place, and he is officially going to, uh, going to be with the team, um, you know, moving forward whenever they're at home, uh, per Willie Green, so... Expect to see him there tonight when they play the Charlotte Hornets, and maybe he'll talk. Maybe we'll get to hear from him, but uh, the fact that he doesn't need another surgery is a positive. I still don't think we're going to see him play this year, Gus. I mean, you've got you know a little over a month left in the in the regular season. I think the the last day of the regular season is April tenth, right? So we're we're let we're yeah about a month out, right, give or take. So I don't I don't think we're going to see Zion this year at this point. It it would seem odd, but. You know what? I mean, people keep asking me. I keep saying, no, where are you at with Zion? I know this is kind of like a broken record week to week, but this week we actually have a little bit more info in that he's back from Portland, he's in New Orleans, and he's officially going to be, you know, according to Willie Green, knock on wood, he's officially going to be with the team, uh, I guess, on the bench this evening. Not playing, obviously, but but with the squad, the way Larry Nance has been. Yeah, and, and look, and I think it's important and vital. And, you know, I was talking to one of the coaches on our staff who we were sitting there Monday night, and I know it's two different sports and it's two different, you know, worlds, NBA and, and two-lane basketball. But I asked him, you know, like, can you legitimately benefit from being around a team um, as much as, like, maybe the media and fans make it out to be? Like, can you learn? Can you do that? And he's like, absolutely. I mean, you – you're a part of what that environment is. Because, I mean, I'm, that's what our arguments have been, right, Scott? I mean, that's what mine's been, that, you know, he's missed watching these guys become so close together and, and lump each other into this. And I, I think it will benefit him. Look, Todd came on the show earlier this week, Raffinini voice of the Bells, and he said it. Every game from now on is a playoff game. I mean, that Denver game felt like a playoff game watching it. What's What's troubling is the next two haven't. And obviously not having Brandon Ingram, you know, affects it. Um, that's a ton of scoring that the Pels just don't have the depth in scoring um, when, when you don't have Brandon Ingram. But that's, that's what this is. These are playoff games. You have to win these games. So they all matter. And you're scoreboard watching. You're doing all those different aspects of it. I, I think it absolutely would benefit him to be there. I mean, I, you know, you know, you look at the calendar and Scott, I mean, the, the season ends on the seventh. That's a Thursday. So that's from yesterday a month. 
a month from yesterday the season ends, right? Four Thursdays. And if he's ramping up and getting better, I mean, what's to say if you do get in that playing game, you have him, what kind of shape would he be in? Would he help you? Is he a guy that maybe you can envision getting 12, 15 minutes coming off the bench? I know he didn't care for that the last time, but at that point, is it worth it? Is it not? I don't know. All I know is this. I saw that game Sunday, and you can't tell me not having a guy like Zion would have made a difference in Denver. You know, whether it's having Aaron LeBron James Gordon um, having to defend him. Maybe you would have gotten a follow two on him. Maybe the over-extravagant, you know, every single second it's, you know, an acting job for the Academy Award, you know, uh, Jokic having to defend Zion. I just, I, whatever. Like, I, you can't tell me you wouldn't have helped in a game like that. So, whether it's spot, whether it's situational, whether it's minutes, whether it's not, hey, I, I look at it like this. You got a month left in the regular season that you're guaranteed. Keep doing what you're doing. If I can get you in the last week, I can get you in the last week. At least we'll get a tease at worst for fans what it'll be like to have him on the court with C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram and, and things of that nature. So, you know, again, it stinks that B.I. is um, probably going to be out what, nine more days, seven to nine more days, whatever it is. But what you're hoping for, again, is that he's healthy for that gauntlet. You know, two Saturdays from now is March 26th. That's when I need B.I. healthy. I like to have Zion in the rotation by then. I, I just you stay afloat, you know, um, until that 26th. But the beauty of it is the Pelicans have their destiny in their hands. They're going to literally play twice the Lakers and the Spurs, and the Blazers, I think, once, Scott, in that stretch from March 26th to April 7th. So, want to be a playoff team? Beat them. And playing, will. playing meaningful basketball in March is, uh, is beneficial for sure. That is Gus Cagney. You hear him throwing around the dates. Let me remind you guys listening of a date because this Thursday is St. Patrick's Day. And here in Lafayette, we got Patty in the Park, the best St. Patrick's Day party, downtown Lafayette, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Patty in the Park, here's your lineup, guys, okay? You got locals like Clay Cormier and the legend himself, Wayne Toops, and then you got old school, right? My guy, Tone Loke. Tone freaking Loke is performing. Rob Bass is performing. Quad City DJs are performing. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you're there. Get your tickets now, $20 at any Legends location. You can get it in person, or if you want to get them online, eventbrite.com. Get them now, because if you wait till Thursday day of, you can get them, but it'll be $25. So save yourself a little money. Kids 12 and under get in free. Gates open at 5, and uh, music starts at 5.30. It is going to be one heck of a St. Patty's Day party. You know what else is next week? NFL free agency, officially. We got to talk some Saints football. Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, is on with me right now. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come right back right after this. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the great Scott show. Scott Prather, Gus Cattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We've talked college hoops nationally. We've talked NBA hoops locally with the Pels. We are going to talk some New Orleans Saints football now with Gus here on a Give Me All You Got Friday here on the great Scott show. Gus, NFL free agency, Saints doing their usual thing to get, um, you know, below the, the, the cap. It's nice that the cap went up 25.7 mil for all 32 teams. Not unexpected, though, considering last year it was down due to the pandemic. Now, you know, a lot of Saints fans, they, they got a couple of questions heading into free agency, guys. We'll get into the quarterback situation in a minute and what's unfolded across the NFL this week. Teron Armstead, Marcus Williams. It's feeling more and more like these guys are going to get deals that perhaps the Saints cannot compete with or maybe don't want to. I, I think they would love to have both guys back, obviously. But even at 31, I mean, Armstead's going to get a monster deal because when when he plays, he's an elite left tackle. He's an all-pro tackle. The Saints obviously have value of Marcus Williams. Otherwise, they wouldn't have franchise-tagged him last year in a year where they had to shed a ton of salary because the cap was much lower than it was anticipated to be due to the pandemic. Are both of those guys gone at this time next week? Are they are they wearing new gear at this time next week when we chat? I think so. I think so, especially when you keep seeing um, a handful of teams that are, you know, what, Miami now? I saw a couple of reports could be interested in Armstead and, and trying to get the Bucks right tackle, I think, as well. So they're trying to go and protect, too. I just, I just think a lot of money – is going to be starting to get thrown around. Um, and you just have to make that decision, you know? With Armstead, that, yeah. I mean, that, I, you know, did you want to spend that money, you know? I, I, I was talking to our friend Ralph Malbro earlier this week, and he, he, he was referencing back when Carl Nix signed with the Bucks. Now, Carl Nix was, for a brief period of time, the best guard in football. Jari Evans had a better career than Carl Nix because he was one of the best guards in football for a decade. I mean, Jari Evans is on an all-decade team, right? He he could he could conceivably go into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a six-time AP All-Pro. Nix was just like first team once, but his best season, he was just a monster. And then he went to Tampa Bay and he got a big deal. He earned it, but then he earned the deal because, of you know, NFL contracts a lot of times are based on what you've already done. So he went and he got his deal and ended up, unfortunately for him, I think he got staph infection. I don't remember. He got hurt and, and didn't really do much in Tampa Bay. And his career ended, and now he's in the Saints Hall of Fame. But whenever he went to Tampa, Saints wanted to bring him back. They just, uh, you know, not at that price. The market was just too much for him elsewhere. They signed Ben Grubbs. Grubbs ended up being a pro bowler, and he was uh, – he was – you know, at his peak, he wasn't as good as Nick's at his peak, but he played solid for a few years for the Saints, right? My point is, they went they went to the secondary market. So, if those guys are gone, the Saints are going to sign someone to replace them. I don't know that they're looking at some of the UDFAs from last year that had to fill in and say, okay, for sure, this is where we're going here. I don't. I, I, at least ideally, I don't think that's what they would like to do. So, they'll have a plan in place. With Marcus Williams being only 26... You know, there's a lot of tr- there's a lot of rumors out there, and I think Dennis Allen really wants Williams back. Uh, it just it's it's really going to be a matter of can they afford him, and they might not be able to. So if he goes elsewhere, 
there are a lot of people out there that feel like, oh, well, maybe Teron Matthew is coming back to New Orleans. You know, he liked the tweet of him in Saints gear. And, you know, he's always, he stays back at home all the time in the offseason. And it would make sense. And you can fill a void in a role. And Matthew is older than Williams. I get it by four years. And he's, you know, been a huge part of Kansas City's success the last couple of years. But isn't he going to cost a lot too? Like maybe it's not as long of a deal. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that 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 the Matthew to the Saints thing is is definitely going to happen. I think it would be cool, and I think it'd be good for the team for a a plethora of reasons, Gus. But if they can't afford Marcus Williams, I mean, I I think Matthew is probably going to get some pretty significant offers on the open market, even at thirty years old. Am I off base here? Are you hearing some of these Matthew whispers? Because while it might be cool, either of those guys, Matthew or Williams, I think that's a good thing for a Saints defense that last year proved to be really strong. But I I think if it becomes a money, uh, you know, a price thing, I think the market's going to be too high for both of them. Yeah, man. Again, it's about that money. You know, it's all about what what the the market's going to be. I mean, I look. I, I think it'd be a great story for Monty Badger to come in. I think he makes plays. I also think, um, you know, it, it, in those playoff games, like he he he, he gave up some plays. So I I, I don't know, man. I I kind of look at Marcus Williams as a player that at times, man, you can really see that, that ability. And at other times you kind of just wonder if there is better or not. But you know, when I get in this argument and discussion with people like cover the team that will swear to you, he's a top three safety in the league. And, you know, there's some games where I'm like, I just don't see it. So I don't know. I mean, I, but I'm not a defensive guy and look, you just go by Dennis Allen. He swears by him. He likes him. Sean Payton cares for him. It's about the money. And I think a lot of it is also going to be determined, Scott, by, by what happens on Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on your quarterback situation. Um, you know, you, you see the trade this week with Carson Wentz to Washington. Well, who's Indy going to get? Is it Garoppolo? Probably. And, Probably. You know, and, and that's the thing. Again, San Francisco wants to move on from me because they don't believe. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. I, I saw two reports this week that, well, the Saints could be interested and, and the trade's eminent and, and report of the trade could be coming as soon as Friday or, you know, Saturday. And I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, is he better than Winston? I mean, Garoppolo still owed a hundred and something million dollars. Like, well, he's in the not, not, not that he's in the last year, I think, of his deal. But it is a it is a big no, he, number. And if you're going to bring in a guy via a trade, if you give if you give up something significant, your plan is to have a more than a single year. So your plan is to probably extend them. And I, I'm not I'm not sold on Jimmy G either. Now I. Again, I'm not as sold on Jameis as a lot of people are. I feel like a lot of signs keep pointing to Jameis just not just because, you know, he wants to and he's been there for a few years, but really kind of through process of elimination, Gus. I mean, you look around the market. I mean, Washington's out there, you know, throwing Seattle every pick imaginable, and they say, oh, well, Seattle didn't want to send him to the NFC. That's that's BS. Seattle Seattle didn't have all the say because Russell Wilson had a no-trade clause, and he ended up in Denver. Um, and, and so Washington decides they're going to trade for Carson Wentz. I mean – Eesh. You know, if Indy if Indy's going to trade for Jimmy G, it just, again, the Deshaun Watson thing, there's some legality. There's obviously reasons not to do it. 
Um, but there's talk of maybe Carolina. If Deshaun can clear some legal things going after him, I, I feel like it's at this point, we keep saying a lot of signs point to Jameis. I, I suppose the Saints might trade for Jimmy G, and if they do, I don't, I, I'm not going to be super excited about it. I'll just say that. I'm not going to be super excited if it's Jameis, but I'm not going to hate on it either because it makes sense. I think at this point, it's more of a process um, of elimination, right? It, it, at this point, it just feels like, okay, what are your realistic options come next week? And that's why I think Jameis is – and there was talk of maybe Washington looking, you know, at Jameis Winston. Well, that's not the case anymore, right? It's Carson Wentz. So, just again, I, I think it's probably, again, Jameis maybe on a one-year deal, an open relationship type of contract where the Saints are saying, we're not fully committed to you. you got to show us a little more before we decide to offer you a ring. No, it's surprising how you went with there because I, I do feel there's a lot of Saints fans that – that don't. <laughs> they think they they think it's some, obvious Jameis and no other just, choice, right? What I'm saying is like you, you're that's not how they feel about Jameis. Like, I mean, I guess we'll take him. I I just I don't think he's that bad. I I don't either. I don't either. I just don't think the organization, based on a few people I've talked to, are as sold on him as some of the fans right. think they are. No, I I agree with you on that. And what what I find remarkable is this: a lot of it has to do because we had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Right. And I also and this isn't like a you thing or an organization thing, like you're saying, those people. I just I think it's where we are right now. Um, there are literally teams, seven to ten teams, some public, some aren't. Some have actually made the moves and decisions to do so starting last year to this year where they want to move on from the starting quarterback. But at the same time. Like, who's great? Like you, you have like two or three or four that sort of done it and then. You start seeing some of these other guys step up, like Herbert and all that, and, and everybody wants those guys. And at the same time, you see a, a trade this week in Russell Wilson with Seattle, who is a good quarterback, yet people are arguing on ESPN that he's not that good of a quarterback. I'm like, are you That's kidding me? What they do I mean, it's just, shows, it's just like it is dependent on do you have a line, do you have receivers, do you have a coach, do you have a staff, do you have all those different aspects of it. And I, I just keep looking at – what Jameis Winston had last year. And Jameis Winston opens the game against Green Bay and the opening drive loses his starting center. They wound up winning that game against Green Bay. And then as the season continues, you start seeing that they absolutely overestimated and overvalued the wide receiver position. That is a terrible group. Awful. Not just a bad group. I mean, that's, that's not even a group that, you know, is going to give you a chance to compete on a lot of days. And, the offensive line's a disaster most of the time of the year. You lose Camaro for some games. I mean, like, and the guy was still five and two. I'm like, I, I, I he sure is, is light years better than than Taysom and everybody else. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think he's not bad. I, I, I just keep looking at him like the deep balls he delivered when he when he scrambled. I, I think he also had a a mental thing where he was so brainwashed to not turn the ball over. I never saw him play freely. I don't know about you. I, I didn't I very rarely saw him just play. Just make plays, go out there and play. When you did, like I thought in that Jacksonville game, you saw I think his potential and ability. And when I look at what could be available, Mitch Trubisky and some of these other guys, I mean Teddy stops trying to force feed me Teddy people. Teddy Bridgewater's terrible. 
Like his ceiling is. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with you that he's terrible. I think he's. I think oh, he's. I think on. he's a game. God. He's a game manager. That's I've what wanted he wanted him after the Saints, and they've moved on from him. Not hey, terrible. I, what, what more do you want, Scott? He's not terrible. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm just telling you. Carolina and Denver signed him to be their starter. One year later, they've moved on. How have the quarterback situations in general been for both of those franchises, and how's the stability been? I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not. Look, if the Saints signed Teddy Bridgewater, I would not be super excited, especially with Sean Payton gone. I'll say that I would not be like, all right, all is. It would be a stopgap for sure. I just, I don't, I, I just wouldn't use the word terrible as all. Don't get, don't, don't twist that into me saying that he's an all pro because that's not what I'm saying. Trust me. So again, uh, to be clear, I'm not saying go sign Teddy Bridgewater. That is a if you don't sign okay, anybody. Can I add something? I need to add something. I need to add something. You had Teddy Bridgewater last year. His name was Trevor Simeon. I mean, I guess it's Trevor Simeon. He's go, he's gonna he's gonna read the defense, be a nice leader, try not to turn the ball over, and you're gonna get maybe ten to 13, 17 points max output on your offense. You could, you, 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 okay, you could, you could, you could do worse. Let me ask you this. Taysom Hill or Teddy Tugwell? I would, I would rather have Teddy Bridgewater as the starter than Taysom Hill. That's why I said, if, if there's nothing else left again, you, you Jameis over Teddy every day of the week, to be clear. I just, I just wouldn't use the word terrible. That's all. I just, you said terrible. That's all. I'm just saying it's not terrible. Terrible. Well, I mean, well, let me ask you this. What, what, <laughs> who's he beating? I, like I just, I mean, like I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I just, I watched it again. Don't take my word for it. You had two teams want him, trade for him, or sign him, thinking he could be a starting quarterback, and they wanted to move on from him mid-season. Both teams. Well, one team decided they they thought Sam Darnold would be the guy. Listen. This whole discussion is a reminder of how spoiled teams get when they've got a <laughs> yeah, Hall of Fame quarterback right. for as long yeah, as they do. Exactly. Like I, That's I why mean, it would drive me nuts. It's remarkable the amount of people that were like, it's time for him to go. And, right. And, and, I mean, man. The way all the noodle, the noodle arm and all this. All the noodle arm stuff and all the bashing. It would drive me crazy. I'm like, you guys just don't know how good you have it. You just, you don't. Oh, oh no, it was oh. last year, Scott. He couldn't do this or that. I'm like, are you, like, look, 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 look what the Saints did when he was there. Good Lord. I mean, they won four straight NFC South. Oh. They won more games over a five-year span, four of which were with Drew in the one he didn't there. They only won nine games out of 17. Then everybody I, except I the dare. Kansas City Chiefs. I, I I dare say if he plays last year with that line in that offense, they're a playoff team. Probably. I'm not look, they're, they're probably one and done, but yeah, they're they're winning at least one one or two more of those games I, I that agree. they blew. Yep, exactly. They're winning at least one or two with more that games defense? because they just yeah. man had some yeah. bad quarterback play and it didn't you know, and again, I, look, it just last year, man, it's so hard to value and judge and rate. I mean <laughs> with any team, Scott when they when they're losing their starting quarterback, it's just going to be brutal. You know, it doesn't matter. You lose your center, your starting linebacker. I mean, your starting quarterback, your top tackles. I mean, the Saints lost so many players, man. That it, it's kind of remarkable they play. They they want anything at all. It, so, it, it it's on top of it too. It's like here you are. 
You sound a little bit more down than you did earlier as far as this team goes. The NFC South looks looks like it's going to be pretty bad. Are you still as confident in the Saints next season as you were a month ago? Because you were like, the future bet, they're winning the South. I mean, I, I have no. no idea what to expect with this team because it's, it's a whole new era, right? Last year felt like kind of a .5. Like, it's not... New Orleans Saints 2.0, it's kind of like 1.5 from the Peyton Breezer because you still have Peyton. There's still this element of, okay, he can do – now with Peyton gone and Breeze gone, it just it's it feels like last year was kind of this weird in-between, you know. It's it's like it's like in Stranger Things. If they had something between the upside down and the regular, like they don't, but maybe they will in season four, best show out there. But like – if they had something right there in between, like that's kind of what last season felt like. And I fear we might be heading for the upside down next season. I just don't know. I have no idea what to expect. I'll, I'll give you the last word. Gus Catengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Where are you at? I, I got you. Your confidence sounds a little shaken. Where are you at with the Saints as we head into free agency? Say that again. I was getting out of my car and it broke up a ton. I was saying, I'll give you the last word here as we wrap it up. Like you, uh-huh. you have been confident about the team next oh, yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, like I, 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 I don't know what to expect here. I mean, I'm not expecting Stranger Things season four expectations. It's going to be incredible. I'm expecting yeah, it might be, might be some bad knockoff that just isn't working at all. But you're. Your NFC South, it ain't it ain't all that great. As we approach free agency here and then the draft after that, where are you at with the Saints? And then we'll let you run. All right, so you're asking me if I'm as confident as I have been. I'm yes. more confident. <laughs> I'm more confident. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Tampa's still looking for what they're going to do at, at quarterback. I I just don't trust. I just don't trust what Carolina has that leadership and stuff. I mean, I saw reports a couple weeks ago that they make, you know, their sports talk show host, Chris McLean, who comes on um, a ton on our show. He, you know, he he was going over, should they trade Christian McCaffrey? I mean, that's where they are. And yeah, exactly. Atlanta gets a receiver suspended for gambling. So where are they going? (laughs) Are they going to, you know, go? They're the Falcons. You don't even have to say anything. Just say it's the Falcons. That's all. I just look at it and I'm like, God, I, I, it, it's why I was confident a couple of weeks ago. You have a team in the Saints that is returning talent. And again, we, we it's not excuses. And I know that's not what you think either. It's just, it's reality. When, when you lose the players you do, when you have the injuries that you do, when you have the situations that take place, and this team is a Jimmy Garoppolo career drive away from going to the playoffs, I, I don't understand how they, they're not the best team in the division, you know? And I just, I legitimately think even if Tampa gets Jimmy G or Tampa gets another veteran quarterback, who, who are you getting? I mean, Fitzmagic? I mean, what, wait, compared to what you have, which is why I say, you know, it, it's going to be interesting if, if Jimmy G and, let's say, Winston, and then you don't have those options if you're the Saints. And I still think, again, with better weapons and maybe even a season under him and things of that nature and an offense built behind him, I, I still think even if Taysom Hill was a quarterback, I, I'd give this team a shot. It's it just, look, the big key as well is not only who you're going to see next week become the Saints quarterback, because they'll, they'll make a decision one way, shape, or form um, with free agency. But 
is the Alvin Kamara thing. If you're missing him four to six Brutal. weeks. Yeah. That's another does thing. That, does that go into your, your draft thinking? Absolutely. No? Well, what do you do? What I don't do know you about do that? I don't know if it goes into your draft thinking. It goes into my expectations for next season thinking. But there's so much between now and then, right? I mean, we can say, oh, you're less than 100 days, 80 days out from the first game of the season. Well, there's a lot between now and then, including next week with free agency and then the draft. And that'll begin to form uh, our opinions, you know, more strongly one way or the other. Uh, it's of no opinion. The fact is Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, been the best guest, good friend to me, been doing this for, what, 13 years now, coming on 14 years now, coming on the show with me on Fridays. That just means we're getting old, man. But I appreciate you taking the time. Have a great weekend next week. I know it's college basketball galore for you and so many others, but uh, thanks for coming on, talking some college hoops, little Pels and Saints with us as well. Go give Gus a follow on social media at GCAT underscore 17. That's G-K-A-T-T underscore one seven and listen to him on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, the sports hangover noon to three weekdays. It's as good as it gets. Appreciate you taking the time, my friend, as always, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Scott.